Before we get started, just a quick note about something you hear at the end of the show. In the credits, I mentioned that Nate Schweber does the music. And don't worry, he still does. But I wanted to tell you that he's got a new album out. It's called Gaps, and it's available for download or in handy CD format. And I invite you to check out nateschweber.bandcamp.com to listen to snippets and to add it to your musical collection. Thanks for supporting independent musicians. And now, here's that familiar Nate tune to get us started. I'm John Hall. Welcome to Drink Beer, Think Beer, the podcast that gets to the bottom of every pint. And this week, my guest is Anna Job, the innovation brewer at Night Shift Brewery in Massachusetts. We'll get into that conversation in a moment. But first, please check out BeerEdge.com and subscribe to our newsletter, listen to the Beer Edge podcast hosted by Andy Crouch, and more. And keep up to date with us on social media. That's Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, at The Beer Edge. So on this show, I like to get into the mind of the brewer and find out where their daydreams and creativity takes them, and how ultimately it winds up in our glasses. And this week, I'm talking with Anna Job. She's the innovation brewer at Night Shift in Massachusetts, and we get into how she approaches new styles, how she determines what works and what doesn't, and how she's looking for new avenues in cider, wine, and seltzer, because so many of us aren't just drinking beer exclusively anymore. She's an active member of Pink Boots, and we also talk about the importance of education in the beer industry, not only for the professionals, but for drinkers as well. People find their way to beer in all manners of ways, and Anna talks about how she left one career in pursuit of fermentation, and what she's learned over the years, and how working at Night Shift has been a true collaborative environment, something more breweries should practice. She spoke to me from the brewery, and I wanted to dive into just what the day-to-day of an innovation brewer looks like. And so that's where we started. Here's our conversation. So before, uh, what we've been calling the before-before, um, <laughs> <laughs> back before March, um, right? we were basically, I was basically filling a, I had a 10-barrel system in, in Boston. Um, we have a like tap room and kitchen space down there now. Um, I was filling 12 different fermenters with whatever uh, excited me at the time. So mostly just filling the the taps, um, but also working on big picture stuff. So that was, that was the point where I kind of got excited about trying out loggers because we didn't really do that much here in Everett um, because we just didn't have tank space. So um, I basically just kind of was able to dive into all the things that I was never able to do here in Everett. That's exciting, though. I, and, and I heard from a lot of brewers at the beginning of the pandemic uh, that they were thinking about loggers because spaces were going to be closed. You could tie up tank space that you otherwise would have had to turn and burn. Um, when, when you started thinking about loggers, where, where did your mind go? Oh, that's a good question. Um, it, was, it was honestly, I had this, this problem, like a kidney candy store, like, okay, Let's look at every single thing that I have never done, and where do I start? So I think I immediately went to, like, let's just try out different styles of Pilsner. Um, one of the, the beers that I was kind of proud of was uh, this Wickle beer that I released. Um, so I kind of went all over the place, to be honest with you, <laughs> but I probably started with, like, the pale lagers and, and went from there. When I, When I think of innovation, though, it's almost like you know, if you're going to make an omelet, you have to break a few eggs and you have to be 
willing to accept screw-ups. You have to be willing to accept, okay, I, I had this idea, I tried it, it didn't work out. Is 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 that accurate for some for for when you're thinking about innovation? Like how how often I guess you know when you conceive of something, does it work out on the first try? I think with beer, it's I've been really lucky, and maybe I just maybe I've played too safe, but I think I've only had a few where they did not go as planned. Um, I think you know, speaking about the innovation brewer position, I've had to jump into these other channels of uh, liquid and that's where there's a lot of unknowns and you tend to trip up in certain situations. Um, but, with, but with beer, there was definitely a few things that I, I made at Lovejoy that I was like, that that should never be produced or consumed ever again. <laughs> <laughs> what's, a good exa- what's a good example of that? So... You know, in true fashion, I, I tend to get like, um, if you know me, I tend to get like a little too caught up in these ideas sometimes. And if I'm like really busy and I'm like running all over the brewery and I'm thinking about what I'm going to brew in a few days, I like, I just get caught up in it. So what happened one day was like, I hate these milkshake beers, but like sometimes they're really cool, you know, and I can totally enjoy them. And I think we've made some good ones, but like, how could I make something different? And I, I decided to brew one with American ale yeast, and it was just a total disaster because I also, I also used like a different vanilla provider, and it, it just basically just tastes like cream soda. So I was pretty bummed about that. But um, I don't know. You total, you could total, you could slap a twenty two dollar price tag on a four pack of that, and it would probably move. Yeah, I'm not about that. But yeah. <laughs> It was fine. It just, you know, for me, it was one of those things that I, I beat myself up about. Um, and I've been a little better about not overthinking things <laughs> since then. You sort of, in, I can almost hear your eyes rolling when you're not into, you know, just uh, money grabs, as it were. Uh, on the show previously, we've talked with, with folks about hype beers and hype breweries and uh, sure. things that are designed to... Uh, get the line forming the, the the night before. Is there a line between innovation and hype? Mm, that's interesting. Um, I, I would say so, and I and I certainly don't want to like. I'm not trying to call anyone out, no. or um, I don't want anybody to assume I'm speaking about a certain brewery. But we we kind of have a, a a joke around the brewery that we're no longer cool. Um, because, because we're surrounded by a lot of people who are, you know, are, are super popular and we, we're kind of all over the place. You know, Night Shift has never been one to be like, these are our five core brands. That's all we make. Um, you said to me earlier that you had been to our original location. Yeah. We were making the weirdest beer in the world at that point. You Um, were, yeah. Um, so, and we kind of still have that, that ethos. We like to mess around with different ingredients. And we like to we like to give our customers different options. Um, you know, for us, it's, we can't really make everything we want to drink. So, but we also have a lot of fun uh, creating new brands and like trying new things out. Um, and so, I think I think what people call hype is typically like the hoppy breweries, um, and certainly like those styles can be really unique. Um, but I feel like a lot of those, those um, maybe hop focused breweries don't do a lot of other styles. 
but I don't know, maybe I'm just not hip anymore. Maybe I don't know what's going on in the industry, but um, yeah, I'm not really too sure how to separate those two things, but well, let me try to unpack it just a little bit because when you're saying there's the joke around that you're no longer a cool brewery, innovation has to play into that a little bit, right? Because fads come and go, uh, consumer tastes change. And I've often been curious about some of the breweries that started just within the last couple of years and are focusing on those milkshake beers or, you know, extreme hazies or uh, kettle sours that explode on purpose or or whatever that, that, yeah. that capture the attention. And the brewers ride high for, for a little bit. But I, I was having these conversations with brewers two years ago where I was saying, well, well, what happens when you're not the cool brewery anymore? And, and, and sure. oftentimes I'd get these blank stares back. Like, well, what, what, what do you mean? It's like, well, eventually this roller coaster ride is going to end. You know, eventually the merry-go-round stops. Um, and then how do you keep going? And I don't think there's any shame in not being, you know, the quote-unquote cool brewery anymore as long as your consumers have evolved with you, your drinkers have evolved with you. And so you were at the brewery three months after it started. I, I'm, What was that tra- trajectory like for – you know, going from you know, crazy outlandish beers and uh, capturing the zeitgeist of the time to what you're doing now. Like, what what were those in-house conversations of like, okay, here's how you know, Night Shift becomes, you know, a teenager and then a grown-up and then a, you know, full-fledged adult kind of thing. Right. Well, yeah, I think it, it kind of, at first it, we just didn't make copy beer because we didn't have contracts and we were, we weren't super psyched on that. Um, and I think we had this homebrewer mentality of like, and kind of the mentality that I still, I still honestly have is like, what can we make and how weird can we make it? And how, like, have we, have we used this ingredient before? It was just like this, like excited, like, you know, eight year old at the, at the toy store. <laughs> like we just got very excited about making anything. Um, and, I think we still kind of have that mentality. Like we, we definitely love to explore all avenues now though. So before it was like these um, kind of like food inspired, like pairing beers. Um, And, you know, I think every brewery that evolves and gets bigger and has employees and, you know, has to give the consumer something different. They, they evolve in, in, in different ways. And we, we went, I think, maybe three or four years before we have ever had a like single core brand. Um, and now we have a, you know, maybe a handful of those brands, but we literally release a new beer like every week or every other week. So we kind of have held on to um, that fun side of homebrewing life and like just total excitement for, for being beer makers, but also, have made a few beers that we really, really love and can drink every day. Um, and they, they help pay the bills and they help us do these other exciting things. And so I think at some point you realize that you can't only make these super hype, exciting beers with wild ingredients. You also have to make, you know, like your everyday pale ale or your, you know, your Pilsner that people can, can drink and remember and always find. Sure. So that, that keeps, that keeps you at the top of mind too. You know, there's like a very, a very, um, saturated market in certain you know in most of the country and so i think you have to do a little bit of both and that's kind of where our happy 
medium is right now. Um, but, but yeah, I think you're right. It's it's tough for. I think it's interesting and incredibly, incredibly huge challenge for small breweries right now to enter the market because everybody's trying to get a piece of that pie. Um, and that's fun because you know every every drinker in Massachusetts has like a thousand places they can go drink new beer. Yeah. <laughs> um, when you're thinking about ingredients, uh, aside from, and I, you know, we can talk about you know hop varieties and you know different yeast strains and everything as well. But uh, when you're thinking about something to brew with that you haven't brewed with before, um, you know, adjunct ingredients, as it were, where do you look for inspiration? Where do you look for, you know, well, yeah, where do you look? I would say, I would say typically I look at food um a lot of my time outside of work is like thinking about it's cooking and thinking about food and 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 drinking um and like that beautiful like combination of food and beverage that I've always I've always loved um so I think I think an easy point of inspiration for me is food and like going out to eat which obviously is not really a thing right now um and it could be I could be at a uh, a bakery um like for example one of the really weird beers I made at Lovejoy um, was inspired by me having a conversation with our head baker. And she was like talking about how I always brought in overnight oats and this and that. And we were talking about these combinations and how we make our overnight oats. And we went back and forth and we like came upon this idea of like, well, why don't we do an overnight oats beer? <laughs> I was like, well, that's bizarre. <laughs> um, but I, you know, I ended up making this overnight oats inspired cream ale and like, what, what the hell is that? But but I ended up just, like, trying to do my best of, like, you know, to impart this, like, super oat-forward oat base, put a bunch of fruit and, like, spices in it, and it was the most bizarre thing, but it was very cool. You know? Bizarre I how? how I make that. Bizarre is, like, it didn't really taste um, just like a fruited beer. It, it almost tasted like this, like, sweet tart thing, which I did not expect at all. Huh. Um, so it just it just went off into a different direction I didn't expect, um, but again it was like this very um, very out there experiment that turned out okay. I don't know if I would ever make that again or on a larger scale, but um, it was like that just that weird conversation that I had with Lyra one day about oh let's make an overnight oats inspired beer, um, and, and you know the same thing happens here in Everett when we, when we make one offs. It's like okay let's we're gonna do. Um, let's do a margarita inspired beer and we can release it during like near Cinco de Mayo. And like, maybe that's corny, but like, it's also exciting to try to find, like figure out that puzzle. Um, so I think typically yeah. beverage is like the main, but, but figuring out the puzzle, right? Because I mean, there's some breweries that are, you know, just dumping whole pies or cakes into a beer and, Hey, this is our, our cake beer or like whatever, that kind of thing. Um, when you're, when you're thinking about some of the ingredients that you're using and and figuring out the puzzle as it were, um, hot side versus cold side, uh, you know, whole fruit versus purees. Where, how do you start to unpack that? Like when you're starting to sketch out a recipe, Um, well, kind of the same way that I, I approach recipe development in general, I say, okay, what is the end, what is the end goal? What do I want that to look like? And 
what ingredient or what version of that ingredient would be best. Um, you know, fortunately or unfortunately, I'm not sure which one, depending on what size of batch it is, we have to use certain ingredients. If we're, if we're doing a big, big batch, we use puree. Um, and we have a local, a local gentleman who makes fresh puree for us and has been really lovely. He can also, you know, make us, you know, give us 15 pounds of orange peel, like on demand. So he's, he's been a really nice source of like local ingredients or, you know, for the most part. Um, but on a smaller scale, you can kind of manipulate things a little bit more, but we basically try to take everything we've learned by using, um, at this point, you know, hundreds of ingredients in the past and try to figure out, you know, the ratios and what version of that ingredient would be best. And that's, it's a little tough sometimes. Um, and honestly, at some point, it's it's a little, to be honest with you, it's a little bit tough when you're putting a lot of ingredients into something because you don't want it to be muddled. Yeah. And you want it to, you want it to come out clearly and still be incredibly drinkable. Um, so that's another, I guess it's another challenge. But um, yeah, it's, it, it's a little bit of a, you know, viewing the end result in your head and seeing and starting from there. Like, do you want it to be this total peach bomb? Like, uh, let me tell you a good example. I guess, like, we'll talk about the margarita beer. Sure. How much How much lime do we want to put in there? How do we put salt in there? Do we want to put it in post-fermentation so we don't ruin the, the healthy fermentation? We've, like, finally figured that out. And, like, we came out with this really beautiful, drinkable, like, Goza-styled inspired margarita beer that was, like, it was very cool. Um and I mean, maybe most brewers think that that's like really silly, but when you go through those things in your head, it's, it's, it's a total learning experience, which is always, I think, pretty exciting. It, it seems like a very uh, Jersey thing in my mind, you know, to, to have a guy for, for, for something, you know, and uh, um, having a local puree provider, I, I imagine that's got to be freeing and exciting in a, in a lot of ways, as opposed to just flipping through a catalog and saying, okay, I'm going to get, you know, a couple of sacks of, uh, you know, some poly bags of, uh, uh, peach puree delivered from, you know, wherever, um, what, how, how has that shaped the beers of having, you know, a local connection, somebody that you can talk to on the phone, somebody who can, you know, as you say, get you orange peel on a drop of a dime. Um, it's been, it's been interesting because right now we're trying to do, we're working on a new project and he's able to like literally dial in exactly what we're looking for in terms of like, like we're talking about lime juice. We're looking at like, you know, the bricks and the sugar level and the tartness. Yeah. Um, and so he's able to kind of dial that in for us. He's, it's a little bit nice because he can pull from different providers um, but for the most part, you know, we, you know, if we use this product once and then we use it again, if we have any feedback for him, we can always give him that. And then he can kind of dial it in from there, um, you know, to a certain point, but it's really nice to be able to, to, um, give him feedback and then hopefully get exactly what we want the next time. Um, even though he typically nails it every time, which is really helpful. There's a, this was, this was not your first career the, the getting into beer was, was a was a second career for you. It was. How'd you find your way into beer? Well, um, 
I had, okay, so I guess the funniest part about <laughs> me being a brewer is um, I never drank beer in college. I despised it. I thought it was absolutely the worst. And Well, where'd you go to college? I went to St. Joe's. In Philly? Yeah. Well, everybody Philly. was drinking Yangling, so that makes sense. Well, right. And like now I drink that and like even though I don't think it's that great, it it, <laughs> it makes me happy. Um <laughs> no, but you know, everybody's drinking like the worst beer in the world. Um or or what I thought was the worst beer in the world at that point. And then one of my good friends started to homebrew a little bit. He was getting really into craft beer and I think this is probably embarrassing and I probably shouldn't tell anybody this, but I had a lining kugel like berry wheat beer or something something along those lines. And uh, I was like, oh, this tastes different. And that, that, like, kind of went, you know, began my journey. And, like, oh, beer can be good. <laughs> and then um, my this this friend of mine, he just kind of continued on this, this craft beer journey. And he would continue to, like, let me try these beers with him. So I think that kind of catapulted me in a certain direction. But I grew up with parents that were very much into food and, like, wine. So I had this appreciation for that. And um, so at the same time as me, like learning more about food and wine um, and beer, I basically left my job in pharmaceutical uh, education and applied for a job at a Belgian beer bar outside of Philly. Um, and I worked there for three years and just like totally dove headfirst. So leaving the lucrative pharmaceutical industry for the less than lucrative uh bartending and beer industry. <laughs> yep. I mean that, but that's a passion, right? I mean that's a that's a that's a follow your heart, follow your dreams kind of thing. Right. And I think that I was young and able to I had the luxury of being able to do that. Um I probably couldn't do that now, but uh yeah, I was I am not good at sitting still <laughs> and between that and what I was doing, I just was not excited and it's you know, that does not breed a healthy and happy person. So I, I knew I had to, had to make a change. So, And then you find your way up to Massachusetts. Uh, you start volunteering at Night Shift, and then you get hired. Yep. yep. And becoming an innovation brewer, right? Because that's not something that you just kind of immediately step into, I imagine. No, no, not at all. Um, so I've been with them a little over six years at this point um at first i was you know hand labeling uh writing the batch on the bottles helping bottle um doing a little bit of tap room work and uh, once once i was hired like as a part-time uh, production employee you know you learn how to clean kegs and wash tanks and, and, and do all the, the ciping that you know will forever i will never ever forget in my life um oh yeah so, yeah, I, I basically worked my way up. We we were at our, our old location for two years and then moved over to our current location um, and, you know, went from doing kind of everything to finally brewing. Uh, and then a few years later, made my way into like a production manager role, um, you know, doing a little bit of the business side, like bigger picture stuff, but also like managing raw materials, like that kind of thing. Um and so I basically made my, my, uh, my opinions heard about like, or, or I guess my desire to 
creates new recipes all the time. Um, and I think Joe was, you know, understood that I was excited about that, that part of the business. So, um, I was always throwing out ideas to him, um, and ended up, you know, writing quite a few recipes over here in Everett. And then once that, that new location was coming online, I was asked to do that. And it was absolutely a dream job. Um, and unfortunately I'm not doing that right now, but, um, I'm still able to help with small batches here, which is great. We have a brewer's tanks, like a 20 barrel brewer's tanks that we, um, rotate small, like new innovative beers on. So, uh, myself and like many of the other brewers on our staff. So, well, I, I guess what, what I'm curious about is, and this is the, the only brewer you've worked for, but to have career advancement, and we've been hearing a lot about and talking a lot about uh, opportunities in the beer industry and uh, growth and trying to uh, make workplaces you know, suitable for, for, for workers, um, uh, not only you know, safety-wise, but also th- there, there's a certain amount of satisfaction that comes with being happy at the place that you're working. And, uh, and that leads to better creativity. It leads to, to better workflow and, and et cetera, et cetera. Um, you found that at night shift, it seems. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was, they were very nice. I was very lucky to find the team that I'm on. Um, I was given a lot of opportunities that I would not even have given at other locations. Um, um, you know, maybe most companies um, with such little experience, but they they were they're really about growing from within and you know trying to train you up to be whatever it is you know do whatever you want to do. Um, so we we try to keep this culture of like open communication about what your goals are. Um, but yeah, there's I think on the production team we have about. 14 people including our QC team and I think six of us have been here since almost the beginning wow um so I think that goes to show just like the general culture of night shift um but yeah I've always been one to speak up about my opinions and what I want to do and so I think that's been that's been good for me um because I've been lucky enough to find a company that has grown and has had a lot of opportunity. Um, and yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't have asked for a better, better start. Cause I don't, I don't necessarily think the brewing world is the same right now. I don't know if I was the same 26 year old or 25 year old thing. I have zero experience. I don't know that much. Can I work here? <laughs> um, I don't think anybody would give me really the chance. So it worked out. What about the people who want that chance, though? You know, these days, because uh, the brewing industry has changed. Um, there's obviously a desire for the people who are, you know, passionate about it. And I'm not asking you to speak for 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 other breweries, but sure. You know, what have you seen that works? And you know, how how come these opportunities aren't aren't the same that they used to be? Do you think? And and what should we all be thinking about from brewery owners to brewers to consumers on down, you know, about getting more people involved and difference of opinions and difference of backgrounds. Uh, You know, obviously we've seen that that makes the 
the beer industry better and therefore we're getting better beer to drink. But I don't know what, what works in your mind? Well, so I will say it's probably a little tougher to break into our production team at this point because you have, when you don't have any turnover, it's hard. <laughs> There's a lot less opportunity to, to jump in. You know, we aren't growing at such a crazy pace that we're hiring like every six months. Um, but so what we'd like to do, like I, I mentioned earlier, is, is really hire from within. Yeah. Um, but a lot of people start off bartending, you know, like our, our production coordinator, he doesn't necessarily do production work, but he started off as a door guy. Um, and he was getting his master's and now he basically is like our, uh, if you, <laughs> better way to say it's like traffic controller for where our product goes. Yeah. And like, so I would say like, there's a lot of people in, on the taproom side that, you know, in the past have shown interest and now, now are on our production team. Um, there's actually quite a few of them. So it's, I think it's a little tougher, but I think if you are willing to work hard, there's always an opportunity for people in the brewing industry. It's not an easy job. It's not, it can be really meticulous. It can be really like just, you know, brutal, brutal long days that are very physically, um, rough. But I think if you're willing to work hard and, you let your intentions known like someone's going to be psyched on you that's that's guaranteed yeah your three or so years working at a craft beer bar do you think that i i I, it sort of occurs to me that a lot of people who want to get into the brewing industry um you know, we'll show up at a door and say, I'll wash kegs, I'll hose stuff down, uh, I'll, I'll get practical experience uh, on the brew deck floor. Uh, but I was also talking to Alex Lovingood on the show a couple weeks ago, and, and he started behind the stick as well. Do, do, do you think having that time behind a bar, consumer interactions, different variety, can that set people up for a better professional career in beer manufacturing? As opposed to just sort of like walking in the door and saying, you know, hey, I'm here to you know, play with caustic. <laughs> right. That's a fun time. <laughs> <laughs> I should point I out, think... please don't play with caustic. Yeah, do not touch the caustic. Yeah, I mean, um... it's it's 2020. I feel like I, yeah, <laughs> last year I could have gotten away with just making a joke like that. Nowadays, I have to say, you know, please, for the love of God, like, don't, <laughs> you know, don't go splashing around in it because... Uh, it's just weird yeah. times. Anyway. Absolutely. Um, I think it's probably a little, I think it's probably more beneficial in a smaller setting because you have a little bit more of an opportunity to talk to your bartenders once you get on the production side about like your experiences and like a good way um, to educate the bartenders and a good way to educate the consumer. So I, I think on a smaller scale, it's a little bit easier. I think it's always, I think my general rule about being uh, an adult is that you should work in the industry, at the, the food and beverage industry at some point. Yeah. Just to earn a respect for that. Um, but I think on a general level, it's like just very good to be able to understand what kind of questions people are asking. Like when they, when they say that they want a hoppy beer, do they do they really mean they want a West Coast IPA? Do they want a New England? You know, there's there's like a million questions and qualifiers um, 
that I think once you, you understand that, it's good for you to be able to explain that to your new hires. I don't think it necessarily translates to manufacturing at all, but um, when you have a team that like is constantly communicating and trying to better each other, it, I think that that part is that part is super important. I want to go back to something that you said earlier, uh, the the beer that inspired you early on uh, in Line and Kugels, which I, <laughs> people will laugh, but everybody has a different gateway beer into craft. Even even today. And, you know, I think for for older generations of drinkers like I have become, you know, there there were beers that opened up my mind to flavors beyond just, you know, Bud Miller Coors, as it were. And that's stories like mine are becoming further and further in the past, but new palettes are coming in every day and the next generation of beer drinkers is being created uh, daily. How. I don't know. I was going to say how solemn, but that's not the right word for it. Um, but does that play in your mind that the beers that you are innovating on, that you're making as an innovation brewer, could have that same impact that that line and Kugel's beer did for you on a somebody who says, you know, previously, oh, I never liked beer? Do you think about that? Well, I do. Um, I do because I think that the joke within the industry is that, oh, I'm making beer that doesn't taste like beer. And there's probably some truth to some of that. Um, But also, it is pretty cool to be able to not rope somebody into the brewing industry, but like to get someone excited about something with something that you make. Whether, like, if if I can get my neighbor, for example, who doesn't drink beer at all, if I can get her to, you know, start that journey that I started, that's really cool. Um, my first, like, aha moment with, like, Belgian beer was, I think I had an Allagash Curio that was, like, three years old. And I was like, oh, beer tastes like this as well? <laughs> like, I just, um, those moments are really cool. And I think that um, it's, some of, some of it makes me a little bummed because, you know, Part of me is like, sure, if I could make lagers and saisons and IPA all day, that'd be awesome. But at the end of the day, like, it's exciting to get people inspired by what you're doing. And yeah, sure, maybe they'll start off by drinking some, like, pastry stout or, like, a milkshake. But, you know, you've taken a lot of time and effort and were inspired by something to make that beer. So, if they can find some inspiration from that, then that's also pretty awesome, I think. With your – so growing up, your parents were into food. They were into wine. Uh, that was an introduction to you for different flavors and, and processes and, and, and things like that. And um, you're now looking at wine. You're looking at cider production and because it's 2020, you're looking at seltzer production a, a, as well. Where do where do all of those come together? Where do because now you have a hand in in, in each of those uh, production wise. Is there a common place where beer, wine, seltzer, and cider can come together? I think so. I you know if you don't think fermentation is cool, then I don't know 
like then I'm not sure how you're in the brewing industry. Like fermentation is, is amazing. And we can all probably agree on that. I'm sure there are, there have been moments in my life where I have made comments that were riddled with pretension about seltzers or about whatever else. Um, but at the end of the day, for example, seltzer, we, we ha- had these conversations to begin with. Okay, we want to try to get into this. We think we can make something different than what's in the market. Um, and we've always kind of had that, that general idea, like let's create better. Um, so we start tasting seltzers. I'm a, a super salty about it. I only make beer, you know, like having that general attitude. Um, and I honestly like have totally come around to it because number one, it's an incredible challenge. Um, you know, making seltzer is not the same as making beer. Um, is it as exciting? Maybe not. You know, there's not like a, you don't grain in, you don't like, you know, there's not this whole like romantic side of it, but the challenge of figuring out how to make a healthy fermentation for seltzer and make flavors that we find, you know, to be subtle and drinkable and enjoyable, that, that part is, is great. Um, so I think at, at the core of it, not to, not to get the obvious, but fermentation is super fun. And like I've mentioned before, food and beverage is exciting to me. And being able to kind of pair food and beer and food and wine and any kind of experience together, that is like a big part of what I enjoy about life. And like if I'm at my friend's lake house and it's 95 degrees, a seltzer can be incredibly delicious. Now, some people drink those on their couch at home. That's awesome. Good for them. Um, You know, we all have our own thing that we consume in our happy place. (laughs) Um, And so for me, it's it's just fun to be able to um, experiment within those, those different channels. Where, where is experimentation leading you right now? Like where, like what are some of the avenues? Like let's let's dive into seltzer for a minute because it's it's impossible sure. to avoid these days and it's incredibly popular. Yep. I think for a reason. And whereas some brewers might have scoffed at it early on, I think if you're not at least still thinking about it right now for even just local options because it's tough to compete on the, the the larger markets as it were. Right. Where 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 does innovation play in seltzer? Well, I think in general, it's you're you have like no you have nothing to hide behind. So if you want to present certain flavors, you kind of have to have a very you can't have a heavy hand. So I think I think just playing around with different flavor profiles and combinations is is exciting. Um, I don't know. I think I think the innovation kind of stems from seltzer. Um, we are going to be making this like we only released one, but we're making like this this higher alcohol seltzer. Um, so our brand is called Hoot. Um, <laughs> this is a nice sure. <laughs> um, for the for those who don't know, your your logo, the brewery logo, is shaped like a like a hop cone, but like an owl, an owl shaped yeah. hop cone. Yeah. So that makes so, sense. Yeah. So you know that's cute. So it's <laughs> Hoot, Hoot, Hoot seltzer. Um, you know, it's got great branding behind it. We're going to be making a, a hoot louder. It's going to be 8%. But then you think to yourself, okay, well, what else is like 
really fun and popular. Like, what else can we make with this? And you start to like dive into, all right, well, people are making cocktails in cans. Can you do something along the lines of like a seltzer base mixed with wine or um, wine and beer? You know, like you just kind of start to think all these weird combinations that you probably would never have thought of five years ago, or at least myself would never have thought of. Um, and you're able to kind of play on those different like overall flavors and like um, general like experiences and kind of combine them into like a whole new product. I mean, it, it's, it sounds kind of fun. I mean, and uh, how do you know when something when something works versus when something doesn't, because you know, it's, it's not just like pouring 50% of one into a glass and 50% of another into a glass and then pouring it, you know, all into one big glass. <laughs> or maybe yeah. it is, I, I, you know, I don't know. I'm, you know. <laughs> no, no, you're, no, you're not like, you're not totally wrong. We, we, there are certain like smaller level, like bench top tests that we try to do our best on. Um, and then you kind of just have to go for it. Um, we have not had like a hundred percent success rate. That's just not how it goes. Um, but like I mentioned earlier, you know, we're, I think we're better at making informed decisions with beer. We're still, we're still trying to figure that out with, with other things. Um, so you just kind of have to continue to experiment and do it on a level that's not going to like, you know, <laughs> bankrupt the company, but you have to just do your best to, uh, to do smaller batches and, you know, make tweaks just like any, anything else. I like that idea of just kind of going for it because it could be, it can be easy, I guess, just by nature of being human to just sort of keep going along uh, in the way that you normally, and you normally do. And if it's working, then it's working and, you know, you just kind of, you know, ride it out kind of thing. Um, right. This idea of going for it, th there's got to be, it's got to just get you jazzed to go to work. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there is not really a whole lot of like, um, like hanging out and like just staying the course of what we're, we've always been doing. <laughs> That's not really how night shift operates. Um, so there is never a dull moment. Um, and with, with, um, Seltzer is kind of like doing its thing or kind of tweaking it as it is, but like now I'm producing wine, which is a whole other project that is really exciting. Um, but it's like terrifying and also incredibly exciting. Um, well, <laughs> if I, that makes sense. No, it does. And, and, and that terrifying aspect, I, I, I was going to use the word worry, but I'm, I'm consumers these days, drinkers these days are so focused on asking what's new and are, have, have been for the last few years been given a dizzying array of choices. You know, we went from you know, beer coming on and cider becoming popular and then hard sodas and now hard seltzer. And you know, there, there's always something new coming down the pike, it seems. You know, hard kombucha, hard coffee, et cetera, et cetera. Right. When you are when your 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 title is actually innovation brewer, meaning you know, we're going to give you something that you haven't had before. <laughs> is there a worry of well, shit, what are we going to do next? <laughs> um, no, not yet. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, good. No, not yet. But 
there, there's, there's certainly times where you might like lose inspiration or get like burned out a little bit, but we have like a pretty, um, like I mentioned earlier, kind of a big, big forum of like opinions and communication. And like, we, we try to keep these ideas flowing within the company. Um, and so if I am out of ideas, there has been, you know, five or six ideas kicked to me at some point where I've, you know, maybe just like put them on this, the back burner and said, okay, well maybe, but I don't really know. Um, so yeah, no, not, not at this point, but if we make everything else alcohol, I'm not sure what else we can do at that point. <laughs> what are you excited to pursue next? Um, well, or I, where I is your creativity wanna... leading you these days, I guess, is a better better way of phrasing yeah, that. Yeah, I think I'm all over the place. Like my ADD is like is not not a uh, unnoticeable thing whatsoever. And it's I am incredibly lucky to be able to like write a beer recipe uh, in the morning and then order like grapes in the afternoon. Like that's a very cool thing to me. Um, but at the same time, we're like, okay, well, what if we wanted to launch like a um, like a ready to drink cocktail brand, or what? What you know, the whole like seltzer and wine like spritz idea, like you know, all there's a million things that we have not conquered. Um, so in general, learning more is is, is really inspiring. Um, so it, it, yeah, every day it's it's like. Well, not only a challenge and it's scary, but it, it's just inspirational to be able to have that um, that opportunity to make something new um, that maybe isn't isn't out there quite yet. Well, when uh, the pandemic is over and we can all travel again, it'll be exciting to show up at your brewery and see what you've cooked up. So, thanks for yeah, I'd th- love to have you up here. <laughs> thanks for taking the time today. I really appreciate you being on the show. Yeah, thank you, John. Appreciate it. That's Anna Job of Night Shift. When you're able to get out and about again, I hope the Boston area is on your list and that you're stopping by to see what's new. My thanks again to her for being on the show. And my thanks to you for listening, for writing, and for leaving reviews. If you want to reach out to me, you can find me at John Hall, that's J-O-H-N-H-O-L-L, at BeerEdge.com, or on Twitter at John underscore Hall. I'll also invite you to check out BeerEdge.com and to follow BeerEdge on social media at TheBeerEdge. And don't forget to check out Andy's BeerEdge podcast, Steal This Beer, every Monday, and the BYO Nano podcast on the 15th of each month. There's a lot of listening out there. Nate Schweber does the music. He's got a new album called Gaps, and you can and should check out nateschweber.bandcamp.com for more. Jeff Quinn designed the logo and does not have a new album. I'm John Hall, and new episodes of this show release every Wednesday, and that's when I'll be back again to drink beer and to think beer.